Welcome once again to this videocast on the Creator and the Created. God's providence is a theme that encompasses many aspects in theology. It is controversial in a sense. The problem of evil, the problem of grace and nature, the problem of salvation and even some aspects of creation can stem from a certain vision of God's providence. Certainly, here it is impossible to treat such problems. We would not finish very quickly, certainly. In fact, St. Thomas Aquinas in question 22, the first part of the Summa Theologiae, and in the following question, treating predestination, will look at this theme in a very simple way relatively simple way. God's providence is his will and his intelligence, his wisdom, that orders beings that he has created towards their final end. All beings are finalized to God, the supreme good. This same order of being finalized, being having God as the final end, is created in the very same creatures in their nature by God's wisdom and will. And this ordination pre-exists in God. And we call this providence. St. Thomas compares God's providence to the virtue of prudence. Prudence, which if you're interested, St. Thomas treats in the second part of the second part, question 47 of Summa Theologiae is the habit by which we can apply our experience, our memories, and our intelligence to the present circumstance in order to easily and without error arrive at a particular good through the proper means. However, in God's case, this prudence is similar to that not of the individual, that who arrives to arrive at his own individual good, but it is very much like the prudence of a king or a government. Since God is good as himself, he has no need to tend towards a good outside of himself. His will and wisdom will ordain creatures to their final end. And this is what we call providence. God's providence extends to all created reality, not just to intelligent beings that are capable of knowing and loving God. God's providence does not exclude any creatures at all. It includes even every each individual. Nothing escapes his providence. This is one reason Darwinism is so wicked. Chance or chaos replace God as first and final cause. Well, there is no final cause in the end. The world is under the mercy of nonsense and disorder. Under this, nothing by chance could ever exist. God made everything, and nothing made can remain unknown to God. And thus everything enters into the order God wrought in creating the universe. Even the defects or possible defects in creatures are known to God. Even if not 
even if they are not necessarily caused by him directly. It is in God's providence that the perfect good of the universe is accomplished, but this very same providence allows for certain effects or evils to happen. Because if these were impeded, says St. Thomas, if these evils or these effects were impeded, then many goods that exist in the universe would cease to exist or would never come to be. Like the life of the lion that would no longer exist without slaughtering its prey. Or the patience of martyrs that testify to their faith in front of the tyrant. God is so good and so superabundant and all-powerful that even from evils he can bring good. No part of the universe can escape God's redemption. It is already clear from what has been said before that God is the end of the universe as well as its principle. He is both efficient and final cause. He is not, however, the only cause in the universe. God has created numerous secondary causes. Especially living beings are secondary agents. Man's intelligence and will can transform some material aspects of creation or can influence justice and be a bearer of moral good or evil. Yet, secondary causes are not per se part of God's providence. Rather, their causality is part of the execution of, this, of God's of, of the execution of his divine government or an application of his providence. It is essential to note the difference. Providence is in God. It is of God. It is part of his divine essence. And it is not to be confused with God's government or execution of his providence, nor with the concrete effect of secondary causes. Even if all the effects of secondary causes are ordered in his providence. Superior causes have an incidence on inferior causes. In the execution of God's providence in his divine government, he uses secondary causes to influence others. The secondary causality is not a defect in God, but rather it is due to the superabundance of his goodness. Metaphysically, and even morally, there is a hierarchy of causation, where superior causes affect inferior causes, at least positively. This is why, in the creation of the universe, a theory of evolution about living beings, even if it is theistic, inverts this principle. Because the dignity of God's causality is communicated to secondary causes. There is an order from superior to inferior, and not the contrary, as seen in these evolutionistic theories. In the moral sense of this kind of causality, we see that by his freedom, man can and has injured God's creation through sin. The operative perfection of the universe is injured through injustice. Even if man decides to do evil, even then, God's goodness 
is shown in having provided man with freedom. That should be used, of course, in order to do good. Human freedom is never a defect. It is a defect to use it for evil. Something that does not exist in God's providence, but only in the execution of the secondary agent. Divine providence disposes the secondary causes to act according to the nature, to the essence which God has created. And this can be in a contingent or a necessary matter. It is necessarily true that mass will attract mass. However, a good harvest depends upon more than the quality of the seed, for many other causes are at play, and thus the good seed does not necessarily produce a good harvest. It is contingent. Again, using the example of human freedom, providence does not impose necessity on man's free acts. The good or evil he chooses is contingent upon his free choice. God's providence does not impede, or more precisely, does not specifically determine the free acts stemming from man's nature. If it did, man, we, would no longer have any free choice. We would be determined in our acts by necessity to our last end. And because we are not, this brings with it the problem of being created, finalized to God, of having God as our final end, and at the same time being created with the freedom, the ability, the capacity to reject God, to reject this final end. And so next time we will speak of this problem or some aspects of this problem when we look into predestination. Thank you for listening.